Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And you're listening to another great episode of the Church Planner Podcast. And we're so sorry. Well. It's not our fault. Well, it kind of is. I should feel sorry. But I don't. Yeah. Hey, you know, you're in charge of your own podcasting choices, listener. I'm just telling you. You know, right when fault. you said podcasting choices like the internet had a major blurb right then and it came through as like podcasting <laughs> choices they're listening <laughs> they're always listening i'm gonna turn my video off it's a little podcast trick you know a little trick of the hey by the way i am at the uh, mother-in-law's uh, that's my new digs that's how i roll i'm going backwards in life at the moment i'm pretty proud of that um, you know, while the house flooded, we got to be here. So my, uh, studio right now is the dining room in the mother-in-law's house that, that no one's supposed to sit at the table. It's got all the, the nice china in the cabinet be like, it's the part of the house no one goes to, you know, you know, that part, there's like the, the, the room that your parents always told you you couldn't play in. I'm in that room. Okay. Yeah. Like what rich people had. Yeah, right, right. Or people that maybe, you know, came from a, a nicer family background, but like made poor choices. But when they got their own apartment, they tried to set up that room and it didn't work out too well. Yeah, it's kind of my story. Mm. That, that's how I grew up. Yeah. You know, we weren't rich, but mom came from a a well-to-do family, shall we say. And uh, there was still that room and uh, we still sat all over that furniture. I'm not going to lie. But anyways, I'm in that room and... They are getting ready for Easter, so there will be a lot of clatter and noise and banging of pots because 
my uh, mother-in-law's Arabic. And there will be like 50 to 100 people descend on this house on Sunday. Nice. Yeah, nice. that's how they roll. There'll be grape leaves. I mean, we get all the American food and we get all the Middle Eastern food. So it's pretty cool. So I could kind of like sneak in and no one would even notice. Oh, dude, absolutely. Uh, the funny thing is, is they all know like they're like magnets to new people, but uh, they're always glad to have you. It's like cheers without the beer, without oh, the bar. Well, then forget it. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's you can't just slip in, but they won't hug you. Well, that's important. You know, they won't to even me, touch you. That's important. Hey, uh, speaking of hugs, so our good friend and uh, former employee, I don't think he's still an employee. You, you would know better than I do. Is that Barry? <laughs> Barry Waters <laughs> is uh, here from the UK. And uh, he stopped by the house last week with you. I forgot that. How bad is that? I I was thinking, oh, what did Barry? Uh, Barry came over to your house? I literally forgot yeah. that he came with me. With you. Thanks. So here's here's the best story, man. <laughs> so Barry wants to see Pete's gun collection. And, you know, I got one or two guns, right? Well, you got to understand, if you haven't been listening to the podcast for a long time, which, by the way, we're going to get to the church planning stuff in a bit. We have this first little part we call Smack Talk. It's really all anyone listens to, and then they turn off Peyton when he goes into his church planning stuff. But that, that, that's pretty much it. Oh, yeah, no, I'm it. just here for the smack talk. Barry is from the UK. In the UK, like, pretty much no one can have a gun. Like, they can't even have knives. It's, like, just so, like, it's so non-American, right? Because here, everyone's got guns. And Pete's That is got true. You know what? I didn't know that. And when I moved over there, I had a buttload of knives. They were just, you know... They were box cutters. I, I'm not like, right. I, I don't, I couldn't do anything with them. You know, they're just fun. And I had a buddy who collected knives and I went over there and everybody's like, dude, those are, they would come into my office and see one and be like, oh dude, that's so illegal here. <laughs> really? Yeah. Cause see, it was funny. Cause, uh, we, all of us went to Chick-fil-A with my kids and your kids and we let the kids play in the, the kids area and I needed to open up my son's milk. And so the easiest way to do it is I take out my knife, flip it open, and, you know, pop the little silver top thing with the knife. And I, as soon as I did that, I look over at Barry and I go, this would be illegal there, wouldn't it? And he goes, yep. <laughs> I was just like, dude, it's crazy to me. So Barry has not been around guns much, right? So I'm showing him the gun collection. <clears throat> I show him my, uh, my AR-10 which is a, a bigger version of the AR-15. And the first thing that Barry does is he's like, oh, this is cool. And he starts swinging around, like pointing it at you, pointing it at me. And I'm like, dude, you oh my don't gosh. do that. My life flashed before me. Like, like we're talking literally. He, he doesn't just point it at us. He gets the Rambo pose, <laughs> yes. has this thing. And starts like within seconds of you handing, you know, like you handed one to me and it's like, I'm, I'm holding it, you know, muzzle pointing upwards. You know, I, I grew up with guns like in, in my house. I don't, I don't own them now. I'll go to the range if friends want to go, but I, I just never had them. And, um, but I understand basic gun safety. Well, and, and that's the he difference, literally, right? He literally takes his gun, Pete, and, and puts like, it on the levels hip. it. 
puts it on his hip like Rambo. You know, (laughs) we're like, whoa, whoa. Like before I could even say anything, you were like putting the smack down. You were like, dude, you never point a gun at someone. Like, even if you, he's like, it's unloaded. It doesn't matter. You never point a gun at someone. Right. And so. Like, you could just tell this is like UK mentality because they're not around guns, so they don't have to learn all the gun safety that we just learn because we're around guns so much. Like, you just, you always treat a gun as if it's loaded, even when it's unloaded. You treat it as if it's loaded, so you never point it at someone ever. And you get yourself into that habit so you don't have what's called an accidental discharge and do someone some serious damage. Well, then the next thing, he's like, oh, okay, you know, he got, he, he was like, that's cool, that's cool. But because it's not ingrained in him, I like hand him one of my handguns and he's like, oh, wow, that's cool. And like, he's, you know, holding it in his hand. And I'm like, dude, you're totally muzzle flashing me. Like he's pointing the muzzle at me while he's checking out the handgun. <laughs> and and then he goes, oh, I'm sorry. And he quickly turns it around. And now he's got the muzzle pointed at his own head. And I'm like, dude, you're muzzle flashing your own head. That's not any better. And it was it was it was actually quite comedy. He goes, "Well, when I go to the range, I'm really good with it, man. I'm really." I'm like, "Yeah, well, you better be because they will straight kick you out. Like, they're oh, not messing great. around and with it." Barry anymore. Barry is one of the coolest and funnest guys. I love Barry to death. He, uh, you know, he, he it's so it's just he's just funny. Like, you know, you get around him and he's just a funny dude. And the cool thing about Welsh culture is they can take when you, you know, guys like a lot of, a lot of guys, I don't know if it's like this. I mean, I've lived out of America so much now, but in a Welsh culture, when you raz on each other, it, it's bonding, right? Like you, you kind of, I don't know if it's like that in America. You have to, you have to tell me, you know, but in Welsh culture where I spent half of my adult life, um, it's all factory, miners, uh, blue collar workers. You know that they don't like you if they don't, if they don't pick on you. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I trained my entire congregation because Barry did sound like he came to faith at, uh, Pillar Church and, um, I, I trained the entire congregation when something would go wrong to point at Barry. And scream, Barry, Barry. It was great. And it would always break tension. And you guys know from listening to the podcast, I don't care when stuff goes wrong at church. Um, We're not running a show. Um, It's all about family. But in Welsh culture, that's very endearing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I love, by the way, uh, we we all love hearing your kids in the background. That's, That's a special treat for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Have you seen that that uh Facebook video that I forwarded? It's like um it's some Asian TV show. And so there's there's English uh subcap uh subtitles on it. And people are like, "Oh yeah, they're in a grocery store." And this they got a vendor there who's like making fresh sausage. And they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'd like some fresh sausage." He goes, "Okay, great." And then he reaches over and he picks up a live pig and he sticks it in the machine. And of course there's a lady in there who grabs the pig. And oh, is then, this like carbonara effect? I don't know. And like, 
They're like, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden you hear squealing of the pig and the sausage starts coming out. It's as if they're <laughs> killing the pig right there. Like every single person's like, no, don't do that. I don't want you to kill the pig and give me the sausage. It was just comedy, just absolutely comedy. Oh, that's fantastic. How funny. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, you know, it's just best not to ask questions sometimes. We don't want to know where that's at. You know, chicken just magically appears in the form of nuggets, right? They, oh. they, 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 that's how the farmer harvests. You remember that? Yeah. You remember that commercial? Don't, exactly, don't chickens lay chicken nuggets? Where exactly are a nuggets on the chicken? <laughs> I just love that one. I'm like, <laughs> don't care because they taste good. Hey, all, all I can tell you is chicken nuggets. Three shapes. This will mess you up forever. The circle, the boot, and the lightning bolt. Once you know that, you can't unsee it. They come in three basic shapes. Unless McDonald's changed it. Mm. But growing up, that was it. There was that oblong circle. There was the, 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 the I call it the lightning bolt, but it was kind of like a, yeah, it had a top end that stuck out and a bottom end that stuck out in a, you know opposite directions. Then you had the boot shape. They were just trying to throw you off. Like if we do it in three shapes, they won't notice. The eye won't catch it. I think four would have been better. But yeah, you can just take your chicken twenty piece nuggets, uh, divide them into three basic shapes. Yeah, yeah. So hey, I got to share this other thing. Um, Tuesday, I had this big event. That I was doing with one of my clients and, uh, and I had a lot of speaking to do at this event. I was speaking all about, you know, how to market their businesses. They're all in the real estate industry. So Monday night, I wasn't able to go to the, the movies on Sunday like I normally do. So Monday night, I'm like, dude, I got to go see Pacific Rim, right? I mean, I've been waiting for this movie. It's out. So Monday night, I go see Pacific Rim, 3D, IMAX, the whole deal. I'm like the only one in the theater. It's awesome. It's like wait, my, my dream. Wait, you true. saw it without me? Yeah. It kind of hurt. Yeah. Well, you know, such is life. <laughs> You're like, I don't give a rip. Nope. Not at all. It's kind of like the nugget. I don't care. So um, I started to get this headache, right? I'm like, oh, man, dude, I, I don't know why I'm getting a headache. I mean, I've had like maybe maybe 12 headaches in my life and 10 of them have been since I've had kids. Right. So it's like, <laughs> I don't get headaches normally. So, um, I get home, I like go right to bed and I start waking up in the middle of the night and I got a sore throat, man. And normally for me, if I get a sore throat, I take Listerine or I gargle Listerine and it'll kill it. Like it just might take three or four gargles of Listerine and, the sore throat's gone and this sore throat's not going away. So I'm, I'm just starting to get in pain and I just start doping up because now I got to go speak for like four hours. So I'm taking all this ibuprofen, cold medicine, everything you can imagine. I mean, my pupils are starting to dilate. I'm on so much legal medication. I get to the event, do the whole thing, uh, drive home five o'clock, get home. I go right to bed at five. And I'm up like all night because my throat hurts. I cannot swallow. So I'm like, I've never had strep throat, but this is what I imagine strep throat to feel like. So I go to the doctor and uh, the doctor's like, yeah, you know, you've got all the symptoms, but when I visually inspect your throat, it doesn't look like it. Your tonsils look fine. I guess strep throat, you normally have these pus thingies in the back of your throat. She's like, you don't have I'm karate man. Karate man don't bruise on the outside. 
but she's like every other symptom you know you've got because you don't have a cough you you do have a fever you you know the throat hurts your glands are swollen she's like and see i'm a self-pay because uh our insurance went up so stinking high i was like forget it i feel like i'm getting ripped off so i joined one of those medical share groups which basically means um you got to pay the first $500 of anything, which is what I'd have to pay anyway. So I was like, all right, that's cool. So when I go to her, she's like, you know, we could do a, a, a strep throat test. And, uh, but you know, I know you're self paying. It's like, you know, nineteen twenty dollars And I'm like, dude, lady, <laughs> I choose to be self pay. It's not because I'm broke. It's because insurance is a ripoff. I'm like, I'll give you $15. Do the stinking test. So they do the test. They come back and she's like, yeah, glad we did that. You do have strep throat. So we need to get you started on the antibiotics right away and, you know, all this other. Dude, I've never had strep throat. That has got to be the most painful thing I've ever experienced. It's bad. Yeah, it, it, it is bad, dude. I, um, my kids had it. And, uh, of course, Eden is tougher than anything. We just got out of the hospital for yet another procedure and got another one in less than two weeks. But, um, yeah, man, she, uh, she had strep there. She gets it all the time. See, I can't even imagine a kid going through that, you know? Yeah. Like that's, you know, so no, no joke. Like kids though are tough. Like, you know, like if, if you and I, like, I'll never forget when my daughter got her spinal surgery and within two days, I remember coming like the day after she was really out of it and a lot of pain and they were medicating her. Second day I come back because Andrew's staying the night in the hospital. She's literally because they when they're really small, they put them in cages, the yeah. toddlers. Did you know that? They put a cage yeah. like around the bed. So it's got a, a roof cage. It's and like side a hamster cage. cage. It's like a hamster What's cage. That? It was like a monkey cage. Yeah. And I come in and my daughter's literally swinging <laughs> on the bars <laughs> after two days after spinal surgery. And I, I was horrified. No, no, no. And the, the nurse goes, no, no, it's okay. She goes, look, if you had this, you would be down for probably four weeks. Um, just in total pain, slow recovery. They go, kids, they bounce right back. Spinal surgery. And she sweat, like, I couldn't believe it. it. I was like, okay, my brain doesn't have a box to put this in. Cause I, I used to work med surge, like, I've been in post-op med surge. I, I I know what this is supposed to look like. Kids, though, man, God, just put toughness in them. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So, um, man, all I can so, say is, after 24 hours of being on the antibiotics, no more pain. Nice. Like, that's how quickly those antibiotics kick in. I was just like, Howdy. yeah. Which was good well, because then on Thursday I had another big event that I had to speak at, and it was funny. I was talking with my partner on uh, on Wednesday, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's strep throat," and she goes, um, "She goes," and she like while we're on the phone, she's googling uh, strep throat contagious time frame or something <laughs> like that. She's like, you know, it basically says don't touch anything you've touched. And uh, 24 hours after you started medication, you're out of the contagious period. She goes, when did you take your first medication? I go, I don't know, 11, 1130. She's like, because uh, we started at 9 a.m. the next morning, right? So she still that's had rad. three more hours. I'm like, hey, you know, that's the way it goes. 
But do you, do you tell her like you're dead? You know, like you're actually you're, what I said to her was suck it up, Buttercup. Did you did you admit to her that you had um, taken a little cotton swab and stirred her coffee with it after getting a, a bit of saliva? <laughs> oh, gross! I'll make a coffee for you. Oh yeah, no, no. And yeah. what's funny is, yeah, that's why uh, sh- that's why my doctor didn't think I had it. She's like, yeah, your tonsils are fine. You you're not swollen. You don't have the pus. Whatever those things are. Hey, so, this has been a fine conversation. This this reminds me of the old Saturday Night Live, Roseanne, Roseanne and Anna Dana. Do you remember that? I never watched Saturday Night Live. Oh, gosh, dude. Back in the 70s, man, that was the bomb. Dear Rosanna, Roseanne, Roseanne and Anna Dana, this guy writes in, and she's reading it in this accent. She's like, you know, I got this, and I got that, and I got boils, and I got – yeah, anyways – it's lost on you. It is. It is. So, wait, but, uh, I, we never even asked what is today's topic. Like, should people even be hanging on this long to hear? What oh yeah, topic no, is? definitely not. You sh- you should all have left by now. But the topic is uh, <laughs> kind of along those same lines. Um, when people come to your church, uh, your church plant, uh, they probably should have left by now too. But uh, you want them to come back. So the the question is, what do you do? Um, for Easter, what do you do for people the week after? You know, you, it's one of your two big days. And what, what we're asking is what, what, yeah. So what next? You know, you got all this Easter. You don't talk to pastors, you know, in like the weeks running up to Easter because they're gearing up for this big event. Well, what do you do after? That's the topic. I like it. I like it. So uh, should we actually kick into our topic? Are we done talking about pus modules? And, uh, and I know you're not. I probably am. But <laughs> being being that I was an RN, I actually have a high tolerance for that, and I'm actually kind of fascinated by it. But I know that our listeners are like, hey, man, I signed up for Smack Talk. I did not sign up for this. So I, I, um, other than that, it's not like I have any great stories this week. <laughs> but yeah, I you know, the best thing going on in my life is my phlegm. That's pretty much what you're saying. Here's here's what I am. Really <laughs> point a gun at me, to. then I got really sick and could just talk about my flame. That's am, Smack Talk this week, folks. Thanks I for coming. I'm really looking forward to Ready Player One. Oh my gosh, yes. You're gonna see that without me too, aren't you? I would go with you, but okay. I'm not sure when I'm gonna go. I don't know when I can well, go. Well, hey, forward planning. It's a game changer. Well, it I'm opened today. Like we're recording this on Friday. It didn't it open today? What? Yeah. What? It opens today? Today. Oh, dude. Today, Junior. I did not know that. Yeah, good luck getting in there because that that is a very loved book. And uh, I would imagine that thing is sold out. But anyways, hey, um, one thing I do want to mention was I went back to Refuge Long Beach um, last Sunday you know, I haven't been back there in a year and a half. And, you know, w- when you hand a church plan off, you know, you, you know that everyone you're handed off to is as big a knuckleheads as you. Like, I, I have no problem saying I'm a knucklehead. The team I led, we were all knuckleheads. Um, but when you hand it off, you know you're handing off the knuckleheads. And so it, you have to distance yourself because sometimes you'd be like, hey, guys, you know, like, don't forget this or, you know, like when Paul's right into the churches he planted. And after not being there, literally, I sat down and thought, when was the last time I was here? It's been almost a year and a half. 
since I've been back to Refuge Long Beach. And I had to tell you something, man. It was like I had never left. Mm. Um, they've changed some things, but the DNA of that church is still so powerfully threaded in that, A, I was proud of them. I mean, super proud of them. There is still that atmosphere of grace. They are still not running a show. In fact, when I was there, because I, I can't sit when I go to Refuge Long Beach because the church is so frontline mission that you look around and you're like either all these people or the majority of them have just gotten saved, you know, recently or, um, you know, and when I say recent, it's like basically they came to faith through this church, most of them, or. Um, they, they don't know Jesus yet. And there's still very much that, that vibe and that feel. Um, but plus watching some of the people that were, they were just hardcore cases back when I was there where I, I remember one guy named Jesse, he climbed, a uh, I don't know if it was a tree or a, a yeah, you know, a light post or what, but you know, I remember the guys was right after we handed off <laughs> and the guys are, are out there with him. I mean, he used to be a. He was uh, suicidal, right? He was suicidal. Um, and the cops had given up. They were like, "We're done." There's so much to his testimony that I I actually don't want to say it on the podcast because it involves some really really hardcore yeah. background that I just I don't want quite. You know what I mean? Like it it's some hardcore. Anyways, so the, he had a very good reason for being suicidal with the stuff that happened with his life. For example, his wife went missing, um, yada, yada. She was found murdered later, not by him. But, I mean, he was involved in some very rough stuff. And, you know, so he was suicidal, and he he went to prison. Um, he, he did not obviously commit suicide, um, but, you know, the guys discipled him. But they stayed up all night with him, talking to him. Hey, brother, look. We're here for you. God loves you. You know, boom, boom, boom. And uh, he he ends up going to prison, and he meets this guy in there, um, MS-13. And when I say this guy was in MS-13, it's really obvious. Um, he's got bullet holes in him. He's missing an arm. He's got a bald head, giant MS uh, tattooed, taking up his entire scalp, Um Tattoos all over his eyes. And I mean, dude's just hardcore. And this guy was like a puppy dog, man. He had come to faith, come to refuge. And I just, you know, I just sat there like he's eight months clean and sober, first time in his life. And uh, listen to this. He's telling me at one stage, he's saying, because I I was hearing his testimony and I I was asking him and he's telling his testimony. He's got this big smile and he's like, thing is. When I was getting shot, when I was this, he's like, you'd think like, you know, he goes, it's not like so many of the people here were like their life. Had, he goes, I was still having a good time. <laughs> it's just like, you got to ask yourself how bad he, he had come from Salvador, uh, Salvador in El Salvador. How bad had, had, does your life have to be to where you're losing body parts but you still consider you're having a good time, right? Like the background, like people that go into MS-13, it's, they have nothing. They literally have nothing. It's, it's, it's probably just scouring trash for something to eat to keep you alive every day. That's what these guys, a lot of them have come from. And, um, just to, just to walk in the company of some of these people and watch, 
Jesse, who, you know, gosh, talking him down from a, a light post years ago to now, um, that he's discipling people and bringing others to faith. Like it just, for me, it was, it was so stinking powerful that I was just like, wow, you know, we're, we're not in Kansas anymore, hmm. you know? And, uh, it's just rad. So anyways, that's cool. It was neat, man. <clears throat> yeah, that's cool. Well, uh, I think we got a sponsor, don't we? Didn't we manage to hang on to someone as a sponsor? Yeah, well, we we got um, Regal Cinema, right? Yeah, that's who. It, I was like, who is it again? <laughs> I'm just checking with you because I know you take the payments. So, uh, but I did notice on Hardcore we still got um, Portable Church on there. They still a sponsor? Do we sign? They haven't paid. I, you guys just I haven't guess taken this it is off. a back of house discussion. <laughs> you but, haven't uh, taken it off. That's <laughs> comedy. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, we, we why pay those guys? They'll still play the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'll be happy to get rid of that recording. I'm sure all the listeners. Hey, you know. So, uh, okay, well, guys, look. Here's here's the deal. Um, we always talk about ministry in public spaces. Regal Theater Church um, is a bunch of guys that work for Regal Cinema to help churches connect with a place to meet on Sunday morning. So you're going where the traffic is. You're meeting in a time where the movie theater is not used. It's a place that's familiar to people. It's a place to already go. And you could have church on Eastern and go see Ready Player One afterwards. Now, what? John Wesley and the Puritans would not approve. But it could be a strategic thing. In fact, if I were meeting in a Regal Cinema Church, um, I'd be doing film clubs and all kinds of cool stuff. Like I would just, it's kind of cool. So anyways, if you want to get in touch with that, it's corporateboxoffice.com forward slash theater dash church. Make sure when you write theater that you do it the English way, my good fellow. That's T-H-E-A. T-R-E, not E-R. So, again, that's corporateboxoffice.com forward slash theater dash church. I dig it, man. I dig it. So, uh, uh, Doc Brown, kick us off. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. You know, just on an aside, Pete, I, I thought about I was I was just last night going, oh, we haven't heard Yoda in a while. Remember? This week's episode. Welcome to R. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by Mogive. And, and, and that's, that's <laughs> where I went in my mind last time. I'm like, oh, yeah, and as soon as I heard his voice, I heard Mogive, you know, and I was like, yeah, maybe that's why we don't use it. It's like an association now, but I want to bring him back. Who, uh, but it's Yoda? not the same. Corporate box office church. For such theater, well, well, just on a just on an aside note, this is actually their last uh, podcast with us. Is it really? Yeah, they have not renewed. Well, you got a column. You're the sales rep. Oh, get out there and do your you job. Know, ages ago, they want to. Well, hey, somewhere we've missed <laughs> missed the gravy train with someone because I think both of them uh, were like, "Hey, I want to sign up." So, well, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Portable Church. They're renewing uh, April first. Oh. Which you would think would be this episode since it airs in April, but no, this is uh, they they haven't paid yet. So well, then they have to wait. Darn you! It. You wait until PD gets paid, unless you want to advertise on Hardcore, in which case apparently payment is not required to get played. 
So just remember, next week is their debut. Be sure to come for that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, back into the topic or getting into the topic, perhaps for the first time today, really. All right, well, guys. Look, all this time, effort, and energy goes into Easter, and it should. Like, I actually um, think you ought to be given a lot of attention to that. There's a couple things um, regarding Easter that personally I think. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little of an, old, uh, of an old curmudgeon when it comes to getting sidetracked on Easter from, uh, hey, greatest story ever told. Jesus rose from the dead, proof of everything he taught and said, and we are going to celebrate it because where the head goes, the body follows, as they taught me in football. So uh, theologically, if he rose, we also will rise. I mean, this is powerful stuff. It's the heart of the gospel, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. So for me, I get a little protective that our big day becomes a big commercial. Um, I don't want to see, come and see, um, he is risen, turn to come to my church. Mm. So I, I, the number one thing when it comes to Easter is celebrate the crap out of it. Celebrate that he is risen. Make sure that it is a spiritual day. It is not the day for you to advertise your church. Now, we'll, we'll talk about the place for that. There's a big place for that. Don't get me wrong. But it's not what it's about. And I think because a lot of people do it, it, it just becomes this event, almost like a marketing event to hook people in. And it's not what it's meant to be. I, I actually believe that if you get the spiritual part right, that the rest is going to follow, right? I, I, I think you and I talk all the time about the marketing and how there's things you can do and, you know, but if, if it's done at the expense of the heart and soul of what the church is there to do, particularly on Easter, that's kind of a sucky thing. Mm. You know, and when people go, well, you know, I don't see Easter in the Bible. I don't look Old Testament, tons of feasts, tons of festivals. God's really into these big days. I mean, if you're a part of the Jewish religion, it was a big deal. And then when the early church set up uh, Sundays, it was the Lord's day because he rose on Sunday. Worship got switched to Sundays to celebrate his resurrection every stinking Sunday. Guys, every Sunday is meant to be a celebration of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, that he was who he said he was, that we know. It's it's almost like a built-in apologetic into the meeting of the people of God. Like, we're not just following cleverly invented fables or stories like Peter said. He rose. Like, this actually happened. All other religions, all other uh, people claim to know the answers of life beyond but Buddha didn't come back from the dead. Muhammad didn't come back from the dead. Jesus came back from the dead. You know, he, he didn't just tell us about what was on the other side. He came from there, lived among us, went to the other side again, but then more importantly, came back and said, hey, by the way, everything I said before you crucified me, it's all true. And this is proof. So it's a big deal, right? I'll stop my rant. No. 
I don't want to stop your rant. <laughs> so, so that that's really important. So, <clears throat> do I think that you should advertise your big day? Yes, and I'm, that's not even the topic today. Um, and there are ways to do it. One of the things that I heard of a church doing this week that I thought was really cool, Pete, be really interested to know your take on this was I, I was leading a bunch of church planning trainers in a meeting. And one of the, you know, I go around and say, Hey, you know, what, what can we pray for you? What's going on in your life? And the guy said, well, you know, um, last Saturday just had the big Easter egg hunt. And I went, this is Tuesday. So I said, well, you know, put on the brakes there. Hold on back up. You did it on Saturday. And he said, yeah, did it on Saturday. And I said, why? Let me just ask you why. And he goes, well, in the past, you know, we used to, to do it on Sunday mornings and yada, yada, yada. And I can't remember what I think he was like, hey, you know, if I'm honest, it was just better for us not to do it on the Sunday. And he goes, and once we we did it, we said, well, let's try it. And he goes, it worked out really well. A ton of people came to it. And he goes, and so we were like, this is cool. This seems to be working for families who do it on the Saturday a week before Easter. And that made me think. I started thinking a lot of churches are doing Easter egg hunts to get people to the service. And it just kind of made me wonder, is that even ne- necessary? Because for this church planner, he was like, hey, you know, it, it, it didn't seem to make a difference for us. Just wondering what your thoughts might be for that, Pete. Um, <clears throat> I, I would say do it both ways. I don't, I don't. I don't really have an opinion one way or the other. I know the uh, church I'm going to, they're doing um, theirs. Today is Good Friday, so they're doing theirs tomorrow with the community. Like the whole community is doing a big Easter egg hunt on Saturday, you know, the weekend of Easter. And so they're going to participate in the community's Easter egg hunt. Now, is that like Rossmore or is it Long Beach? Uh, Los Alamitos. Rossmore doesn't. Rossmore is. Okay. Rossmore is an unincorporated part of Orange County, and it's like the Principality of Sealand. It needs a church plant. It actually has one. Really? That, yeah. There's one right in the middle. Uh, uh, basically, the park that we walked to. There's one there. I talked about wow. it a couple years ago. We visited it, and that was the one that we were like, "Okay, we've had three different people come up to us and tell us, by the way, if your baby starts crying, why don't you head over to that other room?" Like. Our baby was not making a noise. <laughs> I've never rad. felt like so, okay, these guys do not know what a real church plant's all about. <laughs> well, planning in that neighborhood, too, it's like you only need two or three people to tithe, and, like, you're set. Your budget's met for the year. You're like, woohoo. It was also, I don't know if you remember me saying this, it was the whitest church I've ever been to. And at first right. I was like, well, I I mean, I can't really blame the church for being so stinking white. Look at the community in which I live. It's like, that's rad. So I can't really blame the church, but I'd never been to a church that white before. That's hilarious. Cause like, yeah, my I've friend, this- my friend came up with me on, uh, last Sunday, um, guy I deeply respect and, uh, you know, he's a church planner doing a great work, but he came up me, he, he went to Long Beach and he goes, I just realized how white my church was being at Refuge Long Beach. And, uh, but you know, that's Carlsbad, you know? Well, exactly. I, and then it's kind of like, at first I was kind of like, man, this is such a white church. I don't know if I like that. I mean, 
And then I'm like, wait a second. That's the community in which I live. I can't really blame the church for being white when my whole community is white. So No. No, it, it would be awkward if they were like, hey, let's go get some people of color and round them up and bring them in. That that would be a bit awkward. That would be really awkward in my community. It'd be forced and kind of weird. So, and, and, you know, that's coming from my friends, you know, from all different Hispanic, African American, Asian backgrounds. They'd be like, yeah, that's weird. Don't do that. Well, you see, Don't growing do up, that. I, I've mentioned this before, but growing up, when my dad was a pastor at this church in Pacifica, uh, my sister and I were the white kids there. Like there weren't yeah. any other white kids there. So yeah. that I'm, I'm not used to being in such a white community for right. a church. So yeah, yeah, true, true that. So, you know, so going back to, um, the whole Easter thing, I thought that was fantastic because I know sometimes like, you know, people have a, mm, should I be focused on, should the egg, am I, Am I selling out? Am I, is it, is it just wise? Is it right? I mean, we did Easter egg hunts on Sundays and to, to be honest, I, this is how I feel about Easter egg hunts. I feel like wow. it's kind of like when you, you blame Jesus for not celebrating Christmas. You're like, we're not going to have none of those presents. No, you're just being cheap. Stop blaming Jesus. Jesus is an abundant giver, right? He is the gift. It's an illustration of God's grace. Use it. Don't rip kids off from the coolest thing like trick-or-treating, Christmas presents, Christmas tree, and now Easter egg hunts and blame Jesus for it. Right? Jesus is rad. Don't don't make Jesus suck for kids. You know what I mean? Like, no kids, uh, it's all about Jesus, and we're not going to do any of the fun, really cool stuff that God wired you for, like toys, candies, and fun. No. Um are, are it, it you trying to so make dumb. me have a flashback to my childhood? <laughs> you know we didn't go to Easter egg hunts. You know there was no Santa. Like we never even thought that there was a a real Santa. Well, man, we we mess around with all that in the Jones house. Like uh, the other day, uh, my daughter lost her tooth, and she's nine. Like she knows her snow tooth fairy. And I'm only saying that because my four year old's across the room. We don't like we've never pretended about like. Santa being real, but we, we celebrate the whole Santa. We leave milk and cookies, which I'm very thankful for, uh, you know, after I eat them. And, um, you know, we do all the like little reindeer, chocolate reindeer drop it. Like we, we have fun with it and our kids, it's just fun. You're just having fun, but we never told them that, you know, Santa was a real deal, but tooth fairy, we've left a little bit of, uh, a, a, a question about um i don't know why it's inconsistent on our part we're fully aware of that um but the other day my daughter goes dad she just looked at me bewildered like tooth fairy didn't come last night we forgot that's awesome <laughs> and and i'm like oh i'm like and i and i'm looking at her with a little bit of a, a smirk and i'm like you should ask mommy. Mommy, mommy has all the scientific reasons a tooth fairy doesn't show up. Um, she, she understands far more about this than I do. But I also said, you know, perhaps the tooth fairy, you know, it, like, you know, didn't know that we were staying at Tata's right now, you know, and it's just fun to have, like, it made her smile. And, you know, I'm like, maybe she went to her old house and was like, where are they? You know, there's no walls on this place. But, uh, but yeah, you know, for me, like, to be honest, I didn't at Refuge Long Beach say, you know what, dang it, we're going to do Easter egg hunts. And by the way, to do an Easter egg hunt 
at a church in Wales is so anathema. And this is how I sold it to the church over there. I go, hey, guys. It, it wasn't even outreach. I mean, every church I plan is is outreach. It's outreach culture, outreach DNA, whole thing. We're all there for outreach. I tell everybody we're not here for you. But on that occasion, I was like, guys, first person I want to love church is is our kids. You know, like you have kids and we just we just want to have a party. Like this is this is Jesus risen from the dead. And I don't care if you put crosses and little cool things in, in some of the Easter eggs so the kids get the – I don't care, but we're going to have buttloads of candy in there too. And like I don't care what you do with it, but I want the kids today to feel a part of the celebration. Like at Easter, it's special, something, and I want us to tell the gospel to them, but I want them to associate Easter with it, – it's like imagine if – Imagine if Disneyland were all about the gospel, right? Because this is my theory. When I go to Disneyland, I see God in it. Not because, um, you know, I want to say it was Walt Disney was a Christian or any of that. This is where I see God. And this is how I've kind of recalibrated how I see the world. When I see kids light up at the gates of Disneyland and that joy, I think of heaven. And I think there's some, it's, it's all influenced by C.S. Lewis. When I see these things in the human soul, I know that kind of like Tolkien and Lewis said that when you watch a fantasy epic or read mythology or you're connecting with something epic and timeless that's in the soul of man, um, G.K. Chesterton that said, you, you don't teach a kid, you know, like kids, you don't teach a kid that fairy tales are real. The kid already knows that. What you teach them is how to fight dragons and how to win. So um, we all know, like we're all caught up in this cosmic battle. Well, when I see that, um, I I think that what we're tapping into when on in these earthly joys are echoes of eternal joys. They are temporary. The Bible doesn't say that you can't you know, like the Puritans enjoy any frivolity or mirth or, you know, uh, any comforts. Like I read about John Wesley, how he went to one of his hosts' homes and there were these modest pictures on the wall. And Wesley was so consumed with just the gospel, the gospel, the gospel that he felt these pictures might be a distraction to his host. So he took them all off the wall and stuck them in a pile and left a note that said, hey, I didn't want these to distract you from the Lord. And left him there and then wrote in his journal with great joy next time he came around. I noticed the pictures weren't back up. Well, for me and for Lewis, C.S. Lewis, and, and, and for countless other Christians, these things, if you're always thinking about the Lord, like how Paul says, you know, always set apart in your heart Christ as Lord or, you know, set your mind on, on heavenly things, not on earthly things, then you, it's like walking not in two dimensions, but in three dimension. There's always a third spiritual dimension that you're looking. It's like having spectacles on. There's spiritual lenses that you put on. You don't pluck your eyes out because you don't want to see earthly joys. You put a pair of spiritual spectacles on that you can rightly see all earthly joys through, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so for me, it's, it's that Easter egg hunt. That's how I sold it was, Hey guys, you have kids and I don't want your kids to think church doesn't suck. Cause if I reach this community around here, 
and I've lost your kids because we're stupid, you know, just in how we like, no, it's just the Lord, you know, what is just the Lord? But you know what? I think Jesus can handle an Easter egg hunt. I don't think it's going to shake the foundations of his throne. I don't mean any disrespect by that, but we're going to major on the resurrection. But I want those kids. So anyways, I won't beat the dead horse anymore. But um, I'm just saying that as an apologetic because I know sometimes people wrestle with, are we selling out? And so I thought that was a great idea to have it on another day. But I agree with you because that's exactly where I landed in my brain was, I want to do something cool like the week before. Then I'd want to get them to the service. Then I'd want to do some of the same. I'd still want to have an Easter egg hunt, but I might have something really cool in there. In fact, I might even have something for the parents like, hey, you know, if you find boom, boom, I don't know. Just be fun. So why don't we get to do Easter egg hunts, Pete? I I would also say that you could do an Easter egg hunt off season. (laughs) You know how like you've heard of uh, Christmas in July? I have not heard of that. We come on, you've heard Christmas in July. Everybody's heard of Christmas in July. No, but is that where Santa wears like the Hawaiian shirt and sandals? Yeah, usually. Because I've seen that. But that's just like I, Christmas you, you do in the December same thing. in like, California. Just, it becomes an even bigger deal because no one else is promoting an Easter egg hunt in the middle of October. <laughs> just you could just be like, "Hey, we're going to do an Easter egg hunt on October fifteenth, just because we think it's a fun thing to do." That and sounds would, like Calendar Man in, in Batman, man, where he confused all the calendar dates, you know, like the old 1960s kapow, kazam, you know, it's like your Calendar Man church. I don't even know how to respond to that because I've never heard of anything so stupid as Calendar Man. Yeah, it was. Oh, no, there was Eggman, too. There's a guy that was all about throwing eggs at people. Oh, Batman's had some stinker villains, let me tell you. Let I me, think they hinted at this in the in the Batman Lego movie. Well, pretty soon, then, they're probably going to have someone like the Penguin or a Joker or even a Riddler. <laughs> the Riddler. Like, he just tells riddles to people. It's insanity. <laughs> yeah, but if you did stuff like that, like, in marketing, we tell people to look for an excuse to make a big deal. So, you know, <clears throat> you could do your anniversary. You could do your uh, your client's anniversary or their birthday or their half-birthday. No one ever celebrates a half birthday. And like, you could be like, if you're a restaurant, you could send them a a 50% off coupon. Hey, it's your half birthday. And we're sending you this 50% off coupon for your half birthday. Come on in and have a meal on us. Or, you know, you can do fun stuff like that. And it's different and it sticks out in people's minds. So I think the church should be doing fun stuff like that too. That's it. That's really cool, man. And here's the thing is that, uh, you know, if you were to do something like I, I think that could possibly get you in the paper and you preach a gospel there. You just say, hey, it's unexpected. And that's what God's grace is. You know, oh, we expect go. grace for good people, God to like good people. But the reality is Jesus said this, you know, God caused the rain to shine on the just and the unjust. And here's here's a concept called grace. You get Easter eggs in October when you don't. It'd be kind of cool. You know, I mean. I, I think it's one of those things, if you did it as a gimmick, it would seem lame. If you did it because you were like, no, I, you know, it's really something you were you led to do. What would be really cool is if you did the uh, Christmas in July and you did, um, you teamed up with some uh, children's charity. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Yeah. See, now you're speaking my love language. Now you're going to get all kinds of mad press. 
Wow. You know, maybe you do that with the uh, the women's shelter or something like that, right? But now you're going to get all kinds of mad press. Exactly. So when when you're doing Easter follow-up, that, that brings me to a really good point. When you're doing Easter follow-up, um, we're talking about what you do the week after. So what I would do is if, when everybody gets there on Sunday – um, that's really the key there. You've got them there. And Pete, you know this through marketing funnels. And I know there'd be people who are like, Hey, uh, you can't, uh, you know, you, you can't mix marketing and church. Listen, every time you give announcements from the front and you tell people what you're going to do, every time you flash your, um, your, what is it? Your, your tagline, you know, all about hurting people, you know, <laughs> hopefully you're not all about hurting people. That's wrong. Um, you're not supposed to hurt people. <laughs> Did I tell you about my friend's church where it, 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 it launched and it, it, it said something like that all about hurting people. And he's like, you know, if I read that, that sounds like we're all about. That's so hurting funny. people. Oh that? my gosh. That's hilarious. He's like, we print, printed like thousands of these things. <laughs> We're all about hurting people. And he's like, yeah, everybody's like, yeah, that's why I don't go to church anymore. But, you know, like literally the church is constantly marketing, but it just often sucks at it. So here's what I think. If you do it like like a game show host, um, which is unfortunately what often when I go to church is I watch the guy up there. He's like a game show host. You know, he's like Alex Trebek and hey, yada, yada, and, you know, throwing out zingers and wild and crazy guy and you know, um, people aren't into that. You know, um, what, what you need to tell them is like, I love that you just mentioned there, like what, how you could go on mission with people, you know, by doing that Christmas in July, believe it or not being on mission, there are a couple different reasons people join your church or they come back. Um, like on Sunday at refuge in Long Beach, a woman afterwards goes, I loved this. This was so amazing to me. She goes, I've been in recovery for this many years and she got it because it was like recovery. Um, number two, um, you know, you, you've got, um, it, you know, you could say something like, Hey, we reach out to these kind of people, um, blah, 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 or this is our vision for the city. People will join up because of your values. People join up because uh, they like certain things about your church. People will join up and, and, and good, good reasons to join are your values. The other one is your mission. If people connect with your mission. So you remember in Refuge Long Beach, we, people were like, Hey, I love the fact, um, that people are coming right now or people that you guys are sorry. I'm, I guess so many distractions here. I love the fact that you guys are eating with the community. You know, they first come and say feeding the homeless. And we'd be like, no, we're not doing that. Yes, the poor are coming, not just homeless, but poor people in the apartments around us are coming. But no, we're eating together as a community. And people started to really connect and come who weren't saved because they're like, I want to be a part of this. Can I help cook? Can I be a part of one of the food teams? We're like, yeah, of course. So people will come back. So one of the things that you need to do is you need to talk about your mission. What you're on mission to do there? Because people assume when they come to church, if they come with a family member or they've been drugged there, they assume you're there for people's money. You just automatically need to dispel that and tell them what you're doing in the community. Tell them what you're there for. Um, <clears throat> so any thoughts on that, Pete? You know, 
I, the thought that was going through my head is uh, in marketing, There's th- this is one of the things that I've said it before on the podcast, and I say it all the time to business owners. There's two conversations going on. There's the conversation going on in your head, and then there's a the conversation going on in the prospect's head. That's the reason why that that uh, postcard is so funny because you know the conversation going on in their head is, "Hey, we're all about the hurting people," right? But <laughs> the other conversation is, "Hey, they're all about hurting people. <laughs> that's not good." <laughs> like so that that's it. Actually, kind of describes that point really, really well, which is very, very funny. But if you really want to reach the people in your community, you have to stop thinking about yourself and the conversation going on in your head, and you have to think about them and what's the conversation going on in their head. So I'll give you a quick example here. I've thought about this so many times, and I've said it so many times. If a church was you know, having breakfast with the community in the morning, and they really wanted to get a lot more people there, instead of putting out a big sign on the street that said the name of their church, they would put out a big sign that said, free breakfast, 10 to 11 a.m. And then underneath that, they would put the name of the church. So, and and here's here's my, my point in that. The reason why I'm bringing that up is there's two conversations going on. The church wants everyone to know, hey, look, you know, we're the church and we got this free breakfast thing. But no one's going to know about the free breakfast or not enough people are going to know about it until they get told by friends and stuff like that. If you really wanted to reach people, you'd make a big deal about the free breakfast. We call that the premium in marketing. What's mm. the premium? The premium is the free breakfast. And then, by the way, we also got this great service. You can stick around for it or not. It's up to you, whatever. But you would, I mean, could you imagine on that big old street right there by uh, where that one church meets, if they had a sign that said free breakfast really big? <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. You would, That thing would be packed out. Like yeah. it would literally be packed out every week. And then you could be like, Hey, nothing's free, you know. <laughs> Your salvation's around. free, but it cost, you know. It'd be like a but anyway. Maybe not. Yeah. But still, it's where my brain goes. So um that would be cheesy. But you know, look, the 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 reality is um there's a couple things that you need to do. Your announcements quickly saying who you are and what you're there to do is more important than talking about the upcoming events. Often what they'll do is they'll be like, hey, we got a women's study. They'll advertise all the things that are there. Just give people a bulletin. People are, people are going to look through your bulletin when they come. I mean, that's everybody looks through a bulletin, you know? And I would say make your bulletin cool. Like, don't just do the boring thing that's done every week. Have something kind of cool. Um, I would maybe highlight one thing that you think is going to connect. Put it, put a short video. Number one thing I do on big days like that, testimonies. Oh, if you, yeah. <laughs> this is where I think we need to get out of the idea of events, you know, that we've got, hey, I got to get people to these events. Really? You know, you know what's gonna really like. No one's gonna be like, "Oh, really? You got a women's study who doesn't know Jesus? I think I'll come to that and study." You know what's gonna happen? You get somebody up in front, and and again, I know I'm old school. I know I'm gonna take it back to the gospel. I'm gonna get away from the gimmicks every time. I put someone up there with a testimony, and they talk about the life change that Jesus brought about, like. 
that's going to hit everybody. Yeah. And, and, and if you can do a male one and a female one, you know, maybe the female talks about the depression she had and the, you know, the, the, this and that and never feeling enough and, you know, whatever. Um, testimonies that is going to get people to come back because they're going to come back for that. They're going to say, Jesus changed that person's life and they were a wreck. And I related to every stinking word they said. Like, that's what you're after, guys. You're not there to sell your church. And so I'll go back to the idea that you're there to preach Jesus. You are there to preach the gospel. You are not there to get hook people to come back to your church. We want them to come back. Yes, we do. But if the gospel kind of ain't enough to get them to come back to the church, what I'm saying and what I've kind of been saying all along is preach the gospel, get the spiritual stuff right, and God will take care of the rest. Don't get sidetracked into that. Um, I do think there's a place for announcing things. I do think there's a place for talking about who you are and where your mission is. I do, and I've said that first. But really keep the main thing the main thing. Follow-ups. What do you do for follow-ups? So, you know, people come, and, and I know we got to wrap up here for time. I've already mentioned, you know, say who you are, what your mission is. Let people connect with your mission. Let them get to know who you really are. Um, preach the gospel. Use testimonies. Don't make it a long service. Whatever you do, your message may need to be shorter if the testimonies take more time. I suggest they should. Um, don't spend 30 minutes singing if you're trying to reach lost people. Um, shorten that time, lengthen the connection time where people are talking. Um, and, and by connection time, I mean like those testimonies, let them connect with those people. Um, celebrate. These are all the things I've said so far, but the, the final thing I want to talk about is follow up. Um, I like the fact that, um, and this may surprise people. I like the fact that you have, a response, like if people say, Hey, give us your email or, you know, drop this in, let us know you're here. Um, or, you know, I know the, the new thing now is give them a gift. Uh, the only thing I would say about that is normally the gifts suck and I'm a Christian. When people go, here's our worship CD or whatever the gift is, I'm usually like, that sucks. <laughs> you know, if you want to give visitors a really cool gift, give them like, a gift card from Amazon. I know you think, oh, that's so expensive. But if they give you their information, you better give them something worth. And you can say, look, we'll give you a $15, $20 gift card. Um, we'd hope that you'd buy a Bible with that if you don't have one. That's our gift to you. You know, boom, boom, boom. And maybe I just think that's a killer idea. Because if somebody tells me I'm going to get a gift card for something, I'm going to sign up. You know what I'm saying? But you got to make sure you can float that. But um, the the other thing is um but you know once they and, give that and by the way if you do give out an amazon gift card if you could please let us know about your church and where you're at i'd like to get signed up on your list exactly exactly my point <laughs> right exactly my but it's gotta be it's gotta be for people there so you have to not make it like a web you know it's got to be a special funnel it's got to be a special place that they sign up that's only given when people are there on sundays so, you know, you, you don't want it going overboard. But my point is you're, you're able to connect. And then what I would do on Easter is let's say you have 50 people. And this is a total. Let's say you have 20. 
rather than giving them the automated, we value you and thank you so much for coming. I'm just going to ask a question because it takes a lot more effort and a lot more work. What do you think the impact would be if you took the time to show them that you valued them and you wrote them a handwritten note? You could say the same thing to every single person. You could have a script. Hey, you know, boom, boom, boom. But it was the, hey, thanks for joining us. If you ever need anything, we're here. We hope to see you again. Um, you know, I noticed that you have two kids, you know, because maybe you got whatever, you know, you have family or whatever. Hey, we have this. And um, if we can ever help you, these are some of the whatever. But imagine the impact of writing a handwritten note. Hmm. That'd be powerful. Be very, very powerful. So um, these are just things that I muse on. Um, I have to confess, um, I have not written on an Easter Sunday a handwritten note, but I work for a guy right now who sent me a box of a like 500 notes uh, cards because he's like, hey, there's nothing more powerful than a handwritten note. And that guy, my boss will write me if if there's something that I've handled well or he'll write me a handwritten note. Yep. And I, I tell you what, I keep them. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I barely know the guy, but I keep them. Yeah. So I'm just saying, you go to a church and the and the pastor stops to write you a handwritten note, you're like, huh, that I didn't expect that. It's warm, it's real, and it makes a big difference. So hey, that's it. That's all I got. I dig it, man. I appreciate you sharing what you've shared. Yeah. Well, you know, I appreciate it. You set me up for that, didn't you? <laughs> Am I going to get a handwritten note? Just saying. <laughs> yeah, because you so, handled that so well. I did. I did. So, hey, guys, listen. Um, I wanted to let you know, Pete, that while you're writing all those handwritten notes, that gets time-consuming. In fact, so time-consuming that you can't actually – deal with all the money that comes in on that Sunday morning. I mean, <laughs> you need someone to do all that bookkeeping. And uh, do you know of anyone, Pete, that, that could do that? I honestly can't think of anyone at the moment. <laughs> I can. Who? It's Hey, that was a nice switch around. Um, <laughs> nice passing the ball back. Simplifychurch.com. Wait, and, who is uh, this? Speaking of Amazon gift cards, if you guys sign up, I did not know this. I got sent an Amazon gift card as a thank you for a referral this week. So please sign up you for SimplifyChurch.com. What's that? That's not fair. I think I should get part of that. Oh, I should. I knew I shouldn't have mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, guys, it's who I use. Um, SimplifyChurch.com. Um, it's the the network I founded uses it. The churches I plant use it, and uh, they are fantastic. They'll take care of your IRS compliance, your uh, giving, to help you track that into your donor receipts, all that good stuff. So they even help you with budgeting. So uh, head on over to SimplifyChurch.com and tell them that Peyton and Pete sent you. And uh, I'll get a new gift card, but I'll give the next one to you, Pete. I dig it. Well, thanks for joining us for the podcast today. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell. Reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. I made my money the old-fashioned way. I got run over by a Lexus. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. 
We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music